baby. We in here. Yeah, we in here. Y'all better get comfortable with saying black. We in here. Yeah, we in here. Black versus the Board of Education. Because we can That's why we are indeed a whole mood. That's it. <laughs> happy, happy Monday, and welcome to another episode of Black versus the Board of Education. My name is Miss Laureen, and we are so excited to have you here and joining us for our last installment of our civic engagement series. This episode is called The Primary Blitz. And we have a fantastic candidate joining us today. And it says that I'm having some trouble streaming on Facebook. So can you make sure that that's just something on my end and, and that we're taking care of that? I would really, really appreciate it. Um, but before we invite our candidate to the stage, I just want to check in with you guys really quickly. How was your weekend? Like what, what happened, Miss Quinessa? Tell me something good. I need some good news. Uh, my weekend was good. We went to um, the Martin Luther King unity event at chico state okay and we did some tabling there hung out with the community they had a presentation which was great beautiful keynote speaker oh nice um all around great time now you went with miss keela and you had miss lania and miss layla with you so tell me something how different was chico from sacramento or do you think y'all took the atmosphere with you y'all just did you um i think there was a lot more homelessness Oh, and she okay. that we noticed like right when we were like going up to the campus, there was a lot of people like crop tops, but like all this other you stuff. You said crop tops. Yeah, like crop tops. How, wait, 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 wait. Like, how, how, how we get crop tops and homelessness in the same <laughs> like, sentence? I'm like confused. Crop, it was like a crop top by like default, like rip. Oh, it was. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Chow, you know what? I, I can't do done. nothing with Keela today. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on. I'm on one. So tell me about this crop top. Okay. Okay. So like, yeah, it was like a crop top by default. Like it was all ripped. And then like it just like half and like the back was out, but like it was longer than the front. So it was just a lot going on. Okay. But no, um, I definitely think we brought Sack to Chico. There was a rapper that was there uh -huh. and he said he was from Sacramento. And we all, everybody was hyped. Oh. Yeah. So he was like, what oh, was the rapper? What was the name? Um, I don't know. Uh -oh. He See. had a red beanie on and his kid, his daughter. He had a red beanie. <laughs> he had a red beanie okay. on. And okay. his daughter was fire. She started rapping. I got mad and recorded, but. Oh, she was a vibe. really good. She was really good. Okay. Um, Adrian, you and I had a chance to hang out with the fellas and Miss Lisa over at Burbank. So tell me what, what were some of the things that stood out, stood out about you? We went to the, uh, what was it? Youth and Economic Justice Summit. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That sounds about right. I think so. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was the Youth Social and Economic Justice Summit, but wherever it was at Burbank, that's what we were at yesterday. Okay. And and what were you feeling about the event? How were you feeling? Uh, I liked it. It was a lot of youth there. Mm -hmm. um, they were very vocal about their issues and they jumped at the chance to speak. So it was very fun talking to them and learning their experiences. And you guys know, like with our little game board that we have, we always have like a lot of people around. Oh, and I felt like people were just kind of standing like, can y'all move out the way? Because <laughs> we want to see, we want to play too. So did you guys have that same experience out in Chico? Yes. Yeah. So like we were um, in the like main quad area at first because uh -huh. we were trying to like, there's like three different areas to go. So we were trying to like experience all of it. 
So then we went back upstairs and then, yeah, Miss Jackson was like, you can take over whenever you feel like it. <laughs> she, was, she was getting kind of overwhelmed yeah, that and, she had such a big oh, crowd wow. at yeah. the table. And it was all like 10 under, like. It oh, it was popping. babies. Yeah. The babies were trying oh, the babies to yeah, go they was coming back. They was okay. like, let me answer this question. Like it was, it was a long. Was, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, you know, I, I always, you know, I always talk about intentional community building. And part of that is just showing up where, where we can be in space with people and kind of tell them about us and how we like to bring the atmosphere and change the atmosphere when we show up in the building. And I heard that y'all did that this weekend. So kudos to y'all. Um, without further ado, we are going to bring, you know what? We sitting up here talking and didn't nobody bring Miss Anaya up here. My bad, Anaya. I don't know why you were you were backstage the whole time, but um go ahead and tell us about your weekend. What'd you do? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, well this weekend I did community service with the NAACP here, but I want to share last weekend I went to go see Jake, Drake and Jake in concert. And that was uh, uh, not, not you saw Jake. <laughs> 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 okay, J. Cole Sorry, and Dre. I, I got excited. Okay. Yes. Just was it everything that you hoped it would be and more? Yes, and I'm sad because I want to go back and I can't. You looked cute. So. You, Thank she you. looked cute. Thank yeah. you. I liked it. I like, okay. You must have posted something on social media because I need to go back and see what you had on, see if it was appropriate. Oh, <laughs> it was. Sure. My mom was with me. She picked my outfit out. She was like, Wait, hey, your mama went it. too? She didn't go to the concert, but oh. me and my friend went. We stayed at a hotel, 21 plus to check in. So she was like, I'll come. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to have to text your mom after the show and see what the heck is going on. Um, but without further ado, we're going to bring up our special guest of the episode. Dr. Richard Penn is joining us, and I'm so excited that he's here. Um, can you take a couple of minutes to just uh, introduce yourself to people who may not be familiar with you, and we will get the conversation started. Sure. Well, great to be here with all of you. I'm Dr. Richard Pan. I'm a pediatrician. Uh, I actually practice at the Sacramento County Health Center, uh, and uh, I'm running for mayor of Sacramento. I actually uh, you know, was at UC Davis for about 12 years where I, I got pediatricians out into the community, um, served on the first five commission, uh, you know, organized uh, our children's health initiative. I actually founded and chaired a children's health initiative to get 65,000 children in our area healthcare coverage who didn't have healthcare coverage before. And then when the Great Recession hit, ran for the state legislature. And so I actually served uh, for two terms in the assembly and then uh, eight, term, uh, eight years in the uh, state Senate where I led a lot of health initiatives, including uh, being sure we got all our undocumented Californians healthcare coverage, uh, you know, banned uh, discrimination by uh, for pre-existing conditions, implemented the Affordable Care Act, uh, be sure we got people uh, protected with public health and uh, and then thought I was uh, pretty much done when I termed out in 2022 and uh, going back to practice and uh, and you know, looked around what was going on in the community and decided to run for mayor of Sacramento because I, the challenges we see facing our community with homelessness and, and public safety and other issues. And in fact, uh, many affecting our youth. Uh, I actually currently serve on the board. I've been on the board for United Way where we've been focusing on trying to end generational poverty and I'm also now on the board of Improve Your Tomorrow, which actually helps uh, uh, youth of color to uh, succeed in school, uh, to graduate high school. And uh, also we're working on trying to improve graduation rates in college as well. So it's great to hear be, to be here with all of you. 
Fantastic. And, and you're welcome here at any time. Um, regardless of how the election turns out, we want you to know that you're welcome here. Um, additionally, what I would like to say to the people who may be watching right now, we know that ballots have already gone out. And so if you're still on the fence and you have something that you want to add to the conversation, like a comment or a question uh, for Dr. Pan, please feel free to do so in the chat. Um, if you're also just undecided and maybe something in this conversation may help you decide who's the best candidate for you. Uh, without uh, belaboring the point, I'm going to start with Miss Anaya since we missed her in the opening. Um, with your first question, Miss Lady. Okay, hello. So my first question is, I read about you a little bit and it said that you were born and raised on the East Coast. I just wanted to know what prompted you to move to those coasts. Oh, well, uh, actually, well, I'm a child of immigrants. My parents actually immigrated uh, from Taiwan uh, for graduate studies here in the United States and stayed. So I was born uh, in the East Coast because my uh, my parents, actually, my father was first in academia, and then he worked for the federal government. And so we moved around quite a bit. Uh, and then I did my uh, both college and medical training in, in the East Coast. I uh, uh, went to Johns Hopkins for uh, college and then uh, University of Pittsburgh for medical school, did my residency and fellowship in Boston. So, and then, and actually my focus during my medical training uh, was on uh, social terms of health, community health. And in fact, uh, when I finished my training, UC Davis was looking to recruit someone to teach our pediatric residents uh, at UC Davis about community health and to start a child advocacy training program. So uh, I jumped at the opportunity to be able to do that. And that's how I ended up uh, moving to Sacramento. Uh, and when coming to Sacramento, uh, you know, met my wife and uh, raised my kids. So uh, definitely settled down in Sacramento. Awesome. Uh, Adrian. So on your website, you mentioned that Sacramento as a whole has missed out on economic growth and other opportunities due to the city council uh, sending mixed or unrealistic messages. Can you kind of give an example of where you've seen that? Yeah, well, uh, fortunately, um, you know, we do have a bit of a crisis of leadership in, in Sacramento. Uh, actually, one unfortunate example is actually on the ballot right now with the mayor election. That's Measure C. Uh, so. Mm -hmm. Measure C is, is that it's actually a tax increase uh, that uh, would more than double the uh, business operations tax, as they call it, on uh, licensed healthcare, uh, li licensed professionals, not just healthcare professionals, by the way. It's uh, all you know, licensed professionals who are having small businesses. And, uh, and, and where, where's the crisis leadership there? Well, the challenge was is that when they discussed this particular measure and decided to put it on the ballot, they didn't engage the people who would be affected. Uh, most of the organizations that represented uh, these licensed professionals and their businesses were never uh, notified or contacted. Uh, the Sacramento Bee reported that uh, they, they actually violated the city charter and not putting the notice as required by the city charter. Uh, and, uh, and so that's not really how you want to do things. If you're going to do something uh, in the city as city government, you should be engaging the people who are going to be affected. Right. If you're going to do something in a neighborhood, you should be notifying that neighborhood and having discussions that neighborhood about what's the best way to go about doing that. Uh, so this is what we need to change in city government uh, here in Sacramento. We, we need a city government that's much more responsive to the people that engages the people who are being affected by the very policies that uh, we're adopting, uh, not saying, well, too bad it's on the ballot. And uh, in fact, there's not even an opposition statement to the uh, uh, on the measure because, again, no one knew about it until it showed up on the ballot, literally. And, and in fact, the notification 
uh, that was put out was actually put out after essentially the ballots were mailed to people. Wow. Ms. Keela. <clears throat> um, so homelessness is a big issue in the Sacramento in Sacramento and has been for a while. So um, can you explain how you would address it and how long it would take for the problem to um, resolve? Well, this is a ongoing, longstanding problem, so we're probably not going to fix it very quickly. Uh, but there are essentially three main elements I want to address in terms of addressing homelessness. So first of all, uh, we need to understand that we have people who, too many people who are at risk of becoming homeless or who have recently become homeless, usually because of a financial challenge, right? The you know, car broke down, healthcare expense, something, and now they're a few hundred dollars short of making be able to make rent. And, uh, and so we need to find ways to be able to help those folks uh, stay in their homes, or if they've recently become homeless, get them rehoused as soon as possible. Uh, and in fact, I, when I was in the legislature, actually passed a set of reforms called CalAIM, which includes addressing some of these what we call social terms of health, and we get you can actually draw down federal money in order to uh, help people provide people rental assistance and housing navigation. So we can try to help people who are on Medi-Cal, who are basically the lower income folks, uh, it, to be able to get to help them try to stay in their own homes. And in fact, actually, I serve on the United Way board. And we're already starting to do that, right? We're through this program. So this is a new program, and it's an opportunity again to draw down additional funds for that because right now we have a city and a state that unfortunately is in the budget deficit. Uh, the other challenge we have is we have 5,000 chronically homeless people on the streets right now. And many of them, because they've been on the street for a while, often have significant mental health or substance use problems. Not all of them, but many of them do. And so we need to find a place for them to go where they can get help and support uh, and so they can be successful. And so, you know, we need to definitely work on trying to find uh, more uh, locations, uh, safe found sites, and then, of course, permanent housing. And then finally, we have a housing shortage. Uh, there's a housing shortage in the whole state, but it's uh, including here in Sacramento. And we need to maximize and improve the uh, increased amount of housing we build uh, that uh, spot, all the you know, across the spectrum and particularly affordable housing because we don't have enough places for people to go. And so we, so things that the city can do is try to, you know, streamline permitting. We, we shouldn't delay housing. We should try to figure out what we can do to reduce the cost of housing. Part of the reason housing is expensive is sometimes is some of it's at the fees that we uh, add on, as well as the fact that we have a shortage. So all of these things will help uh, decrease the cost and also increase the supply of housing, which is what people desperately want to see. And so, you know, we want to keep people in their homes. Uh, we want to get people off the streets who are chronically homeless with help that they need to, to, to succeed. And then we need to increase the amount of housing so we can bring down the cost of housing. Hi, um, I just want to ask um, a little bit of a more general question. Why did you make that transition from the medical field to politics? You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I like to say my journey and my career has gone, has, uh, went from the micro to the macro. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was a in college, I was a biophysics major. My goal was going to medicine, discover what I call the next great cure, right? Studied DNA and molecular biology and so forth. But as I went through my medical training, I suddenly I, I realized that that's, you know, my passion was really more about what can we do to be sure that when people discover the next great cures, when we still need people to do that, that people have access to those. And also, you know, how do we build healthier communities? Because we know that most of people's health is driven by you know, the, the community they live in, right? The social and physical environment in which they live. Are they in a supportive environment or one that where they're constantly, in, you know, afraid of being attacked, of crime, 
of, of not having enough resources, that they're going to lose their home, things like that, right? Uh, and so those are what we call the social terms of health. And uh, actually, I ended up coming to Sacramento to teach uh, doctors about what we can try to do as community builders to help strengthen communities and make communities safe and healthy. And that's frankly what I devoted my career to as well. And uh, and and so, of course, the sort of the ultimate expression of that is uh, getting engaged in public policy. And uh, you know, I never thought that I'd be running for office because I was a child of immigrants. I did not see people look like me in elected office when I was growing up. Okay, there was there I, there were. Uh, very few people of color uh, that I ever saw in elected office. In fact, to, let me just say that when President Obama got elected president, um, you know, that was, I mean, obviously it was very important for the black community to see uh, a black man being president, but it was also important to many of us who aren't black, who are of, of the other colors, that this Asian man was like, wow, we can have someone who's a person of color be president of the United States. So, uh, and uh, so, you know, and, and frankly, when the Great Recession hit, uh, that's, uh, I finally said, well, if I'm not willing to throw my hat in the ring and run, even though most my almost my entire life was like, well, no one would ever vote for someone like me because I'm, you know, I'm Asian. Uh, and so I decided to run and I actually won that election in 2010. So uh, um, and then as a legislator, of course, continued to work on those social determinants. But yeah, that's how I made the transition sort of from medicine to to uh, uh, to to public policy and being an elected official. But I should point out that, by the way, Throughout my entire time in the legislature, and even now, I still continue to practice because it's so important to me that I stay in touch with people and I continue to take care of families so I know what kind of struggles they're facing. Awesome. Um, quick question, um, because you there are quite a few of you running for mayor. So what actually sets you apart from your competition or from the others that are currently running with you or against you? Well, I, I appreciate that question. Um, uh, you know, I think what sets me apart is the fact that I've gotten results for the people of Sacramento and the people of California. So when I first came to the state legislature, we had a $28 billion deficit. There were articles across the country, even in international magazines, saying California is ungovernable. We can, you know, that, that this was an intractable problem. And uh, by the time I left the legislature, we had a $30 billion reserve to help buffer uh, the the state against future downturns, right? Uh, so in the same way that our state, uh, our city is actually facing now a $66 million deficit, I'm going to go to work to be sure that we bring fiscal stability and uh, back to our city. Uh, now, as a doctor, I focused a lot on being sure people got health care coverage. Uh, and in fact, when I first came to the legislature, we had a, you know, the uninsured rate was about 17%. And that wasn't just because of the Great Recession. I mean, it had been at that level for decades. And people said, well, you know, it's just really hard to bring down and it's, it's, it's almost impossible. Well, by the time I left the legislature, we got it down to 7%. Uh, so we cut it by more than half. And that's through a whole, you know, I can start rallying off all the policy things we did, but basically that's by working the problem. You know, and that's what I do. I work the problem. I look at the results. I have a background in public health. Uh, you know, uh, we, we take a public health approach. We look at the facts and then we work the problem. And that's what I did. And that's how I delivered those results. Um, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've done many other things as well. Be sure we got kids, you know, fed during the summer through our million meal summer, pro, you know, million meal program. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, be sure you know, we got, you know, we did a lot of things to try to be sure we can help uh, support our families and our youth. Uh, but it is about delivering results, and that's what I think people are frustrated with is is that there's a lot of talk about homelessness. There's a lot of talk about the issues around uh, safety and blight, but they don't see action. 
And that's what I'm going to be focused on is making tangible results that people can see. And just a second part to my question, because I understand that there is a deficit in the city as well as the state. And there are proponents who would say or opponents who would say that the reason that we have such a deficit is because we are trying to prioritize um, health care for undocumented immigrants. So how would you respond to that, um, to the folks who use that as like kind of like their their line to say, we, we don't need anybody else like this uh, running government. How would you respond to that? And then after me, the next voice you will hear is Anaya. Sure. Um, you know, just because we don't provide someone healthcare, healthcare coverage doesn't mean they don't have healthcare needs and that they don't eventually seek healthcare, oftentimes later and sicker, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so actually, before we actually implemented the Affordable Care Act, uh, Calif and this was before I was in the legislature, uh, during under Governor Schwarzenegger, they were trying to work on some health reform. And one of the things people noted was is that um, uh, for every person who's insured, about a thousand dollars per year of their premiums was going to provide care to people who didn't have insurance. That included a lot of people who are undocumented, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they didn't have insurance. Is that again, people who don't have insurance. They don't tend to go to see the doctor as much and so forth, but then they get even sicker. And then when they show up, they're a lot sicker, right? In the ER uh, and so forth. And we still, you know, take care of them and we need to take care of them. Uh, mm -hmm. And so frankly, and by the way, they also pay taxes. You know, they're working into paying taxes, sales tax, you know, income tax, all that. So it doesn't make sense uh, for our state to say, well, you know what, we're not going to provide them health care and that because we quote, quote can't afford it uh, when basically we're still going to bear the cost uh, of providing care in a way that is less effective for them and is more costly for us. Ms. Anaya? Okay, my question is, are there any initiatives that you want to put in motion that you feel like would be more successful or get done faster if you were to become mayor? Yeah, well, I, I think that, uh, first of all, I'm going to have a particular focus right now uh, on homelessness, right, and being sure we have restore order to our public spaces. I appreciate that. Actually, one of the forums I was at recently, uh, in fact, I was at the Black Expo uh, last weekend, uh, one of the youth actually talked about the challenges they had going about their neighborhood because you had people camping on sidewalks and there was, you know, all sorts of mess around, needles, other types of things as well. And, and that was very frustrating because it was not, they felt unsafe. They ended up, you know, they couldn't use the sidewalk. They ended up walking the streets, which can be dangerous, you know, with cars driving by, et cetera. And so, you know, people want to see that we have order in our public spaces, that, that streets and parks are available. At the same time, we need to provide help to, for the people who are getting off the streets, right? And so uh, really going to be focused very much on addressing the homeless issue. One of the other things is we need the city to be much more responsive. So we have a 311 system, right? If you have a problem, you see a problem in the city, you contact 311, assuming it's not an emergency, when, in which case you call 911. And in fact, the city reported they get 120 complaints a day on 311 related to homelessness. They also reported it takes them 16 days before they respond to that. That's over two weeks. Days. We can do better than that, right? So I want to be sure our city is more responsive as well. So certainly I've got to work with the fellow city council members and the manager, but we've got to have a much more responsive city uh, and to address the problems that people bring up to us. Um, so where do you feel that Sacramento is 
failing or facing challenges where you see other cities are excelling in? Well, first of all, I would say is, is that uh, Sacramento is an amazing place. I mean, I love the city. Uh, that's why I'm running. Uh, but you're right. We're, I think we have a crisis in leadership. And, uh, you know, we need to have a mayor who has who people can believe in, that has integrity, that's willing to accept responsibility for what's going on in the city. You know, we, we do We are a little challenged because the mayor is not the CEO of the city. But that's OK. I'm fine with that. Uh, and uh, I will work with the council and the city manager. But I think that's what important is, is that, you know, the mayor needs to take, you know, accept responsibility for the decisions that the city council makes. So the city council and the mayor need to take responsibility for that. And so when the city staff do what we ask them to do, we need to have their back, right? Um, and if it turns out what we ask them to do isn't quite the right thing, then we need to go back and say, okay, we'll, we need to readjust, but not blame them when things don't turn out well. Uh, you also see this back and forth between the city and the county. You know, we have to be partners in this uh, because after all the counties who gets the money for the mental health and the substance use and other social services, we have to be partners. And it's not helpful if, you know, the city and the county, you know, blame each other for, for problems. We need to work together. And, and part of that is, is not throwing blame at other people you know, unless you really have to, but, uh, but it's not, but frankly, you know, it's not, it doesn't help anyone when we throw blame. Right. Uh, so it's going to be important that people work together, stop throwing blame and say, you know, we're on the same team. We're trying to get to the same goal. We may have some difference of opinion. That's fine, but let's work those out and let's be sure we make progress for the people. Ms. Keela. Um, so me, Miss Lorraine, and um, Anaya went to a city council meeting back in December. Child, I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was about two <laughs> months ago. Okay. But um, I just wanted to like express like how the city council members were like taking, like it just seemed the tone in the room and just the energy in the room just felt so like just not good. Like it, it wasn't good energy. Um, we felt that like the city council members were just being rude, very dismissive off of people. And you just mentioned partnership, but like it didn't feel anything like that. Like it just felt like we were almost getting like attacked and it just like our opinions didn't matter. Or it's just like, you know, the little two minute rule they have. It just felt very like brushed off and very like dismissive. Even the city council members were talking while other students were talking like and that's to me that takes courage for a 14 year old to even say anything. Yeah. So it's just the fact that like everyone seemed very dismissive. It just seems like a more ongoing issue. Do you have a question for him regarding the dismissiveness that you saw? Um, just kind of like, why, why would that be? Or just kind of like, why do you think they're like that in that situation, I guess? Okay. Dr. Pan. Yeah. You know what? Um, you're not the first person I've heard this from. And, you know, I, I know many city council members, you know, they're, they're good people. But, but there's the, the tone inside the chamber, right? And unfortunately, it also reflective outside the chamber too, right? Mm -hmm. Is not one that seems to be welcoming of, of people uh, and their ideas. And, you know, and, and, and frankly, I think I've heard from other people that sometimes it get pretty chaotic inside there too, right? Uh, inside. So I don't know about your experience at that particular meeting. And, and there are people who are trying to be disruptive in there. So, you know, it, it can be a little challenging inside there as well. But, you know, 
and this this sort of again, again loops i'm not you know measure c and some other of this stuff too right where it just seems like the leadership in the city is not really listening right uh and that uh they're you know as you said dismissive uh so when people brought up the concern about measure c um all the count you know it seems like they sort of said well yeah we violated the charter but then we, you know that requirement isn't necessary or something like <laughs> well that that's not the right way to look at it right right you read the sacramento b article about the response from the city council about you know the, the potential by a charter violation they said well the lawyer said it might not it might not be a problem right but but they're missing the fundamental point it's you know we can be legalistic about something but what's more important is did you engage people right were you listening and so when you went to the city council and said they were dismissive and they were talking while you're presenting and you're right you know it's not easy to go up to that to go up to that podium and testify i mean they're all sitting up there you know they kind of staring looking down at you there uh so it's, it's can be pretty intimidating uh at the, you know to, to do that and uh and, and really want to thank the the you know the courage of the youth who, who did that did testify but um yeah, I mean, we need to change the tone in the chamber and outside the chamber when it comes to uh, the city council, I think, in that regards. And I just want to add just really quickly, because actually you just said that you were on the IYT board and those boys who were up testifying IYT. were from IYT. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that that was very interesting. Um Additionally, I just want to say that um, I had the opportunity to be in the room um, right after the Stefan Clark um situation, incident, murder, however people, you know, term it. And what I saw was um, there were a lot of upset people. And a lot of times when you engage elected officials and you're trying to express something to them and they turn a deaf ear or they think they know better than you or they're not there for the right reasons, um, sometimes you do piss people off and they do act out. Um, and so as a mayor, when you hear something uncomfortable or you have a specific demographic of people or certain type of people who come into there and they say really harsh things, um, are you going to be the type of mayor that just shuts down public comment and clears the room, or are you going to sit and listen and take it? Well, I think it's important that, um, first of all, we listen to people. Uh, we do have to have, you know, rules of behavior and in, in, in you know, in, in, in a public chamber, right? Uh, because we have to be sure we keep everyone safe, uh, including the other people in the audience. But uh, we also need to be fair to every, fair everyone. In fact, you know, I, I've uh, chaired committees in the uh, California legislature. I was chair of the health committee and uh, several other committees as well. And sometimes we had to debate some very contentious issues, right? And uh, people were very passionate and some people perhaps beyond passionate <laughs> about their issues and, and got very aggressive. And, uh, and what's important, though, is, is that, um, you know, I, is, is to listen and, and also treat everyone fairly. Right. And, and uh, to be sure that, you know, everyone has a chance to say their piece. Uh, right. And that we give people the opportunity to, you know, provide their testimony and any supporting information that they want to provide to, you know, to the committee or in this case, the city council. So, uh, so I think it is important to review what the rules are. Uh, it's important that we set appropriate expectations for people about what, you know, uh, what's appropriate in in the chamber, so that people understand. And uh, certainly, I think. It, we want to welcome anyone who has something constructive to say to be able to uh, to be able to present. Uh, at the city council, right? Uh, or any other, uh, you know, uh, elected 
body, right? We want people to be able to, to that's, that's, their, that's their right to petition the government. Right. Um, I guess to add on also, like, um, what would you recommend to do in that situation? Like, say if, you know, people do feel shut down, like, how would you, what would you recommend for them to do at that point? Well, again, I think what's important is, is that um, we have uh, clearly set out rule, you know, expectations and guidelines uh, for people and that, you know, there's general agreement that those are, those are fair, right? Uh, and, and so that everyone knows coming in, well, you know, what they're, what, they, you know, what they can do. Uh, and, uh, and so that when people, people want to be constructive, well, they have an opportunity to then engage the, the city council, I think as, as the chair of the council, right? That's what the mayor's role is, the chair of the council, uh, as the chair needs to be sure we set the appropriate tone. Uh, that's what I did when I chaired uh, committee hearings. Uh, we, we ensured that, uh, you know, the different sides were heard, uh, that everyone had a chance to say their piece. And we did have to set time limits and so forth because, uh, uh, because frankly, you, you know, you want to be sure everyone has a chance to be heard, right? So you can't have someone taking up all the time. Uh, but I think when you are very clear about and you're very consistent, I mean, cons being very consistent and clear about the rules and expectations and also being sure everyone has an opportunity to be able to communicate uh, what uh, they want to communicate. And so some of it's testimony, the verbal part, some of it is things that they could submit too as well uh, and, and communicate. So for example, someone you know may have something more than they can say in the time period, but they would have the opportunity then to, to provide it in writing or some other, or other mode. So those are the types of things so that everyone has a chance to be heard and have a chance to express uh, their, their, you know, their thoughts to the, to the city council. Ms. Cornessa. Um, a big part of your platform from the research that I did was um, creating safe neighborhoods. Um, can you talk about the specifics of the plan you have for that? Yeah, well, it's important that, you know, that people feel safe in their community, right? And, uh, and so that, that involves uh, lots, several different things. One is, is that we want to be sure that our public spaces are clean and orderly, right? Our parks, our streets, uh, areas around our schools are, are, are uh, you know, are clean and orderly so that people can can go to the park and feel safe, that they can go from, you know, walk along sidewalks. In fact, if we want to get more people to walk and not use cars, but for those who have cars, right, you, you people need to be able to feel safe, uh, you know, walking along the sidewalks, right? Uh, we also, though, also want to be sure that we're engaging uh, people, uh, the neighborhood, right? Because, uh, you know, you the neighborhood is only as safe as the people who live in there feel it's safe, right? So uh, we need to engage the people who live in the community as as partners in assuring the safety of that community. Uh, you know, one of the things I did when I was in the legislature, I actually worked with the Mac Road Partnership uh, because you know there was they had a couple of violent incidents, and they said, okay, well, you know, what can we do to address that? Well, what? Well, frankly, part of it was is that we, you know, many of the youth didn't have a place to to go, right? And so you know, we actually invested in uh, creating, uh, you know, basketball court, some community center, other types of events, and so forth, uh, for you know, for youth to, to be able to uh, to engage in a positive way and also also connect. One of the things that we know when it comes to public safety is is that um, neighborhoods that are more connected with each other, uh, where people are more connected, are safer ones. Uh, ones where people are more isolated and they have the opportunities to get to know their neighbors and, and people, other people in the community tend to be less safe, right? 
So we want to try to build those uh, social networks in, in, in the communities. Actually, when I was in the first five commission, we knew that was actually better for health as well. You get better health outcomes, you get better safety outcomes. So how do we, how do we uh, facilitate building connections between people who live, live in the community so, so they can be supportive of each other uh, as, as well? And then we, you know, we, we also need to, I think, frankly, invest in, uh, com in community policing as well. So uh, safety isn't all about law enforcement, but there's certainly part of it. And so, you know, we, but you, if, if all law enforcement does is show up and arrest people, well, that's not, that's not building a relationship, right? So we want to be sure that there's, we have a better connection between uh, the, uh, any law enforcement officers and the communities that they're patrolling uh, as well. And, and we, and so that uh, the, so that the police are partners with the community and not simply, you know, someone who shows up uh, when, just when there, when there's a crime. So again, it's about building those, uh, facilitating building those uh, networks, social networks in communities that are going to help us uh, make them safer and looking for opportunities to do that uh, as a city and also working with, frankly, with neighborhood associations, not-for-profits in doing that. Now, we know that um, all politics are local, and I, I hear you referring to your experience in the legislature um, and as, as a former legislative staffer of 16 years, there are certain things that I've seen at the local city council meetings that I'm, I never saw, uh, in the state Capitol. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm just, you know, and shout out to Terrell Olive over at Mac Road Partnership. Um, that is a huge initiative in this community, um, that aims to help children. Um, but I'm just wondering, you may be, um, setting yourself up to experience some things that were never really that evident at the Capitol. So I'm just wondering, like, I heard you talk about um, people having the right to, to speak, but I also heard you talk about decorum and basically respectability politics. So my question for you is, are you ready for the reality of what it looks like when people are pissed off and they haven't been heard for, I don't know, I don't remember how long Daryl's been, been here uh, as the mayor, but are you ready to deal with the fallout because people haven't been listened to for, um, and I, I didn't mean to call him by his first name, Mr. Steinberg, Mayor Steinberg. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering, are you ready uh, to deal with the fallout of people who have felt um, maligned for these last, I don't know, eight years or so? I don't know how long he's been there. Um, and people who have been let down continuously, um, but they still, normally people don't show up until they're mad about something. Um, and so are you ready to deal with the fallout of, of folks that you actually have to live around? Um, because we know at the Capitol, you could have folks coming in from any part of California, but people who are now going to be able to show up basically to your doorstep, are you ready for the fallout that may come, especially when we got a bunch of mean girls occupying space on your city council? Well, um, let's put it this way. Um, I, I believe I am. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be challenging. Uh, I've had to deal with uh, some fairly challenging crowds in the Capitol. Um, you know, not you know, for example, around my vaccination bills and some of the other legislation. Mm -hmm. And so, now uh, were you the chair when somebody threw their their uh, menstrual blood um, in the chamber? I was the target of the menstrual blood. Yes. Okay, I, you were the target. Got it. I, I you got, see how the, the kids are looking at me like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They shut down the chamber, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Someone threw, yeah, someone threw menstrual blood uh, from the public gallery onto the Senate floor. First time anyone's intentionally thrown something, from I understand, uh, from the public gallery onto the Senate floor while legislators were sitting in session. 
Uh, I've also been attacked on the street. I was, you know, assaulted on the street mm -hmm. uh, walking to a restaurant uh, in Sacramento by, again, uh, another um, anti-vaccine uh, extremist. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I've, I've had to deal with some challenging situations uh, myself. Um, I, I agree with you. You know, uh, city, uh, you know, city, city, and I call it politics. I mean, the city is much closer to people's daily lives than the state is, right? And mm -hmm. there's going to be people who are very upset with, um, you know, what they see as failures of the city. And frankly, part of the reason I'm running is because I see there are failures in the city. So, yes, I'm going to have to deal with that blowback, right? I'm going to have to figure out how do I rebuild confidence, people's confidence in the city. How do, what, what are the things we're going to need to do so that people realize that, you know what, there is a new day in City Hall and that we are going to be listening to people. I mean, can I promise everyone that we're going to make everyone happy? No. Uh, but I think what we can do is we can listen to people and we can work with people and, and hopefully together, um, you know, with a little give and take, we can start, we will move ahead in, in addressing uh, solutions. Uh, to the problems that people see in their communities and, and in their own neighborhoods, right? That's why they get mad when they see that things aren't happening. And uh, that, that's what I'm going to focus on. But frankly, you know, I, I, I'm running on a back to basics uh, uh, mm. form, right? I think, you know, the city needs to get focused on the essential things the city needs to do. Uh, we, you know, we need to be more responsive to people. We need to, uh, you, know, you know, build up our, our neighborhoods. Uh, so it's not... A, the state has their own bigger, you know, other issues they deal with, uh, but the city needs to be focused on, you know, particularly on local issues and restore the confidence people have in city government. Miss Anaya. Okay, so just wondering if you have any relation type of relationship with any of your opponents. And then my second question is, if, a, if you do end up winning the election, do you plan to kind of stay in contact with them and anything that they want to implement to do you think you'll work kind of with them to do that as well yeah well actually uh we all know each other uh for different roles so i appreciate that for example uh, dr kofer uh, I, you know we're both we're both public health experts who grew up in pittsburgh pennsylvania right <laughs> oh yeah so so uh we actually chat a little bit about uh different part the different parts of town in pittsburgh that we grew up in uh, and of course, I've you know seen her work in uh, in public health uh, in, in the state capitol because she you know works for an advocacy organization in public health. I'm a public health leader, right? And I chaired the health committee. So there are a lot of things we had uh, done uh, you know before. Uh, you know, uh, again, Steve Hansen, uh, you know, when he was on city council, I worked with him when I was you know the state legislator, right? Uh, because he, and including the fact he represented downtown. In fact, now to be frank, he actually uh, was one of the people who tried who, who talked to about to encourage me to run in the first place. Uh, so, uh, and then Kevin McCarty, um, I, I guess I'm allowed to say this because he's already said it. Uh, you know, I actually used to be his kid's pediatrician. So, oh. uh, and of course- <laughs> Y'all are all interconnected. Okay. Good and of course I worked with them as, you know, because you know, we're part of the same delegation, Sacramento delegation. I guess it's not HIPAA violation since he already said that in public forums, but uh, you know, so, other, uh, but you know, you know, so we've all worked together in different ways uh, to help improve the city of Sacramento. And that's why I certainly hope that uh, people wanted us to do in our previous roles. You know, uh, 
you know, I, I'm sure each one of us, uh, otherwise we wouldn't be running, thinks we're, we're going to be the best mayor of Sacramento. I certainly think I would be the best one of us uh, to be mayor. Uh, otherwise, I'd be supporting one of the other ones. Uh, but also, I look forward to working with them. I mean, uh, each each person has their own assets and things that they bring to the table. And so, you know, we're, you know, we're going to be running an election. Um, but after the voters decide, not us, the voters, you will decide which one of us will serve as mayor. Then I think we come back together because we all love this city and we want to see the city succeed. And so, you know, I, I certainly, if I'm elected mayor, we'll be reaching out to each one of them. Uh, and I hope that uh, one of the others, you know, the phone. <laughs> you know, I'll be working with them as well. And I'll, you know, I'll continue to be a, you know, community leader. You know, I've served on, I'm on, on the United Way board, some other things. So those those are things that uh, that uh, you know we all need to come together again after the election and uh, do what's best for the city. Adrian, <laughs> um, if elected, are there any policies that Mayor Steinberg put in place that you'd want to reverse, or any promises he has said that you want to finish? Well, you know, I I think that. <clears throat> First of all, you know, Mayor Steinberg and I uh, worked together. You know, he's my predecessor in the state senate, um, uh, and uh, you know, he, he's done a lot of work in the mental health sphere and so forth. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to do, though, is is that I think you know, first of all, actually reset the tone in the city council chamber, both inside and out. Right? Um, it's, it's that what what you described, the frustration I hear from other people. Uh, what we saw with Measure C and some other things that the city council did where they didn't give proper notice, we've got to change that, right? Um, you know, part of this is like people need to know that our city, that the mayor has integrity, that there's transparency. You know, we're going to make decisions. Uh, some of them people may not agree with, but uh, we need to, you know, do it in a way that's transparent and uh, people are clear on what we're, you know, where we're going, right? Uh, so that that is something I want to particularly focus on in, as as the mayor of Sacramento from the outset, right? Uh, so we again rebuild confidence in uh, city leadership, and then of course we need to have particular focus on frankly the top issues that people bring up, and that's homelessness and public safety. That, that's what I'm hearing from all parts of town, many communities. You know, with with rare exception, that's on top of people's minds, and so we need to have you know particular focus on those issues. I'm going to take a relent, you know, have relentless focus on addressing those issues for the people of Sacramento. Once we can try to get those, uh, you know, start making progress on those issues, then, uh, you know, we, we, we should, then I think uh, we, we can have some other conversations about other things as well. But uh, people are frustrated because they see this lack of action and it's, you know, we need to deliver results. And that's what I plan to do is deliver results for the people of Sacramento. So, learning all this new information about you, do you feel safe in downtown? Why or why not? And what would you change? Well, I would have to say that, um, you know, I, I personally uh, feel okay downtown, but I understand why people don't uh, feel safe, right? And it's, it's not comfortable when you have someone who they clearly have a mental health issue, uh, who may be, you know, screaming and yelling at you when you're going downtown. Unfortunately, people have been assaulted. I, you know, I don't, sorry, I only got, I got, I got assaulted by an extremist. I didn't get assaulted by someone who's on other people on the street. Uh, but it's, um, uh, you know, 
th those are those are problems. And, uh, and 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 certainly, if I had to try to figure out how to walk around uh, tents and encampments and so forth, and uh, and I can see how you know that 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 becomes a problem for people as well. Also, you know, I've uh, gone out and, and met many of the people who uh, are unhoused on the streets, and uh, you know, we need to figure out how to help them as well, right? And uh, uh, and, and help them get off the streets. Uh, so those are the things that we need to focus on because too many people don't feel safe on the streets. By the way, you know, it's not just that because people are there, that's a problem. So for example, uh, we've heard about businesses being burnt down. In fact, I went to a small business in, uh, and it was, you know, to go shopping and it was, you know, smell the smoke. And uh, they apologized, but they said, well, there was a person who was camped under the eve of the building their business was in and lit a fire. And they had to go out and put it out. And that's why there was smoke everywhere. So, uh, and we've had businesses actually burn down, right? Um, that, that, that's a problem, right? And so uh, we need to be sure we address that. We help people get off the streets. Uh, we don't need fires. We don't need to have blight, you know, needles trash uh, on our streets uh, that dis that discourages people from being able to go to our public spaces. It does make people feel unsafe. Um, I am will be voting for the first time in Sacramento. All right. And I'm wondering what advice you have for myself or for other young voters where this is their first time voting. All right. Well, first of all, please vote. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me let me just make a, a a comment about about the voting so first of all of course uh, you want to make the best decision possible and sometimes it can be hard because there's a lot of noise right you know you collect all the mailers you get some positive ones you get some things that imply certain things right you go look up websites and so forth um and um but in the in the end um you know you, you gotta figure out who who really seems which candidate seems to really connect with you, right? And so, so, so you know, it's great when you're able to do the research. But the other part I do want to also say is, is that so sometimes you're like, well, you know what? I like all of them, or I don't like any of them, or right? That's possible. You could, and but it's still important to vote. And let me just tell you why, as someone who actually has run campaigns, okay, and uh, is that uh, now as a as a person who's running for office as a candidate, right? As someone who's elected, who's been elected office. I know that in campaigns, we don't know which way you vote in the past, but we do know whether you voted or not. Mm. That's all public record, right? So when we, when people go knocking doors, they go knock on the doors of people who voted before, right? All right, they, you notice they don't go to every door, they kind of hop different ones, right? So we know who's voted and who hasn't voted, Okay, and what does that mean? Well, if you happen to live in a precinct in a neighborhood that doesn't vote very much, else again, as an elected official, we serve everybody. But and the but is is that um, people do know which parts of town people vote in, and therefore those people will care what you do, and which parts of town people don't tend to vote as much in. And, mm. and so it, that's why it's really important to vote. You know, even if your person doesn't win, you've sent a signal that you care about what whoever wins, what they do. So don't forget that part of it, right? You certainly hope the person you like and you want wins, but even if they don't, you need to send a message to the people who, the person who is elected, who holds that office, is that when they go and they look and they go, oh, 
they're not probably gonna look for your name in particular, but they're gonna look at your neighborhood and go, people in that neighborhood vote. So I better listen to what they wanna say because the next election they'll vote again. And mm -hmm. uh, right, and, and so that's also, that's important. By the way, the other thing I should also just point out is, is that um, in addition to of course, knowing whether you voted or not, we also know how often you voted. And so, you know, people who vote more often get more get more information about from the candidates, right? Candidates, you know, we actually, you know, we don't have infinite amount of money, so we tend to communicate more with people who've voted more often. They're, you know, just a little secret for you to know. So that's why I said, be sure you keep voting each election because if you keep voting each election, you're going to get more stuff uh, about the candidates. And so being a public health advocate or uh, someone who is concerned about the health of Sacramento, um, we see that the uh, fentanyl overdoses have increased in, in Sacramento substantially and, and pretty much around the, the country. But uh, we do know that it's up 400 percent for young people um, here in Sacramento. So what kind of. Um, and I guess Adrian just woke up because he's starting to post stuff that we already posted. But anyway, um, what what kind of things are you looking to implement um, for in, in response to to the um, fentanyl overdoses here in Sacramento? Um, and, and that, of course, that was a number from Sacramento County. I apologize, not the city. Um, I have not looked up the specific city statistics, but I do know that it's an issue. So what are you looking to do? Because I was just reading not too long ago about Mayor Breed in San Francisco, and she's trying to implement in order for um, certain folks to get the cash assistance, they would have to be screened for, for substances. And so I'm just wondering, do you have anything, any type of proposals that you're interested in implementing regarding the fentanyl overdoses here in Sacramento? Well, the, the, there are several things we should be looking at. Uh, in fact, uh, when we look at uh, homeless people are unhoused who die on the streets. A lot of them, it's from uh, fentanyl and, and, and drug, you know, drug overdoses, right, um, uh, as well. And so what, some of the things we need to do, one is that we need to be sure that um, a Narcan, which is a opioid reversal medication, is widely available. And we should be trying to get it out as much as possible so that when people do have an overdose of fentanyl, um, hopefully we can, you know, save them before they die. Right, uh, so we should be thinking about how to get um, uh, Narcan out as much as possible, right, uh, in in the city. Uh, so it is carried by the various first responders, but frankly, out in the community as well. And uh, so should we? So that that's kind of like the safety net part, right? Uh, how, how do we do that? The other thing is is that we, we need to, uh, and this is where I have to work with the county, is how how do we increase the availability of uh, substance use treatment, right? And so how do we get people? Uh, you know, off off opioids, uh, and and then uh, and then uh, get get them the treatment, right? Now the other challenge with fentanyl is is that now they're spiking fentanyl into all sorts of other things. So someone mm -hmm. someone may not be necessarily thinking they're taking an opioid, and yet there's fentanyl in there, right? Uh, so um, uh, so you know we we do need to be looking at. Um, uh, what, what can we do to try to reduce the supply? Although again, that's a nationwide problem as well. But ulti ultimately, what's most important is is that people need to know that if they if someone needs help, right, or they need to help somebody, uh, that they can provide that help and they're not going to get in trouble, right? And so that's going to be really important. Otherwise, people do die when they can't get help, and that's why we need to get Narcan out available. We need to increase the amount of substance use. We also need to 
uh, you know, people shouldn't be, you know, getting in trouble for, um, for basically rescuing somebody else uh, as well. Uh, so those are some of the things we should be looking at. Uh, I'm not sure screening everyone uh, in order for them to get public services is, is necessarily the, uh, well, let's put it this way, it depends on the purpose of the screening. If the purpose of screening is to deny them services, that may not that may be counterproductive. Um, uh, what we should be doing, but if we're screening in order to get people assistance, so we can identify people who might you know who who need that help, then that can be helpful. So I, I think it's going to be important to think about you know what approach we're taking when we do the type the screening, uh, so that we can get people help. And uh, because if you scare people from getting help, then things just get worse. Yes, and just to clarify, I, I may have misspoken, but it was people found to be using illegal drugs would be required to enroll in treatment if they want to receive cash assistance from the city, which maxes out at just over $700. So cash assistance, uh, they would have to voluntarily, because we know that treatment is, is you know, you can opt in or opt out. Um, so they would have to enroll in order to be eligible for city cash. Okay. So, um, and we have about three minutes left. Um, does anyone have a question that is just burning on the inside that they would love to ask Dr. Pan? Um, you're leaning forward. Is that a yes? It's not a serious question, but um, <laughs> I'm also a former Aggie, and I just wanted to see if you were like still involved in like um, alumni events or anything in the community. Oh, you being selfish? You okay. trying to talk about your own self? <laughs> Uh-huh. Okay. All right, Dr. Pan. <laughs> so, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm back on faculty at UC Davis. I'm teaching, uh, actually, the health policy class uh, in the spring semester. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward, you know, be, looking forward to being involved in more Aggie activities. Uh, and, uh, and so it's great to have an, uh, to have an Aggie alumna that's here. Don't gas her. She's feeling real special today. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a, a last question that you want to ask, Keila? Anybody? Um, I was going to just say, was college always an option for you? Mm. Dr. Penn, was college always an option for you? So, um, yes. Uh, I, 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 you know, I tell people I'm very fortunate in that uh, I said my parents were immigrants, but they came from you know, for graduate degrees. So, you know, I, I came from essentially a professional family. Uh, so we're pretty solidly middle-class. Uh, uh, you know, my, my father was an engineer. Uh, my fa well, we we're both engineers. <laughs> my mother was initially an architect. Uh, so, um, and the expectation is that all the kids were going to college. Uh, so it wasn't even so much of an option. We were expected to, uh, mm -hmm. uh, to do so. And uh, both my parents had graduate degrees as well. Uh, so I did come from uh, that kind of household. I know that for many other people, uh, you know, college is something that they may be the first in their family, uh, that uh, they, uh, they look at the expense of college and they wonder how they're going to do this. Uh, and we need to provide uh, people with more opportunities and options. And frankly, that's why I'm on the board for IYT. I mean, I actually, I was involved with the organization even before then when I was in the legislature. So I just recently came onto the board, but mm -hmm. really need to be sure everyone has an opportunity to not only get an education, but also to have a great career and a great life. And uh, that's what's going to make Sacramento great when we can have that opportunity for all the people who live in Sacramento, especially our youth. And the other thing I just want to also say, and I appreciate being here on, on this podcast, is, is that too often um, policymakers look at 
youth as being a problem that need to be solved instead of an asset that can to build on. And I'm, that my view is that the youth have so much to give to our city, to our state. Uh, you know, you're you're a partner and an asset, and uh, that uh, we should be you know uh, you know working with uh, to to be sure that uh, we make the city successful and also to create better opportunities for our youth. Well, we would like to take this opportunity to tell you thank you so much for your time and for joining us here on Black versus the Board of Education. Some people are scared to come see us, and I'm so glad that you're not because they never know what's going to come out of our mouths. But um, giving the the young people an opportunity to interface with folks who are running to represent them is a critical component of getting them um, used to actually talking and expressing themselves. So thank you so much uh, for your time, and we hope that whether you win or lose, that you come back and see us again. Oh, definitely. The invitation is open. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. <laughs> so next week, you guys, you know, uh, although Quinessa was giving uh, some props uh, to Dr. Pan, we actually have the president of Sac State joining us next week. Singers up for all the Stinger alumni in the building. Uh, we can't wait to have uh, Dr. Luke Wood join us uh, for our conversation next week. So y'all be ready um, because hopefully he's going to come in and tell y'all what got me involved into educational advocacy because I used his reports. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. We will see all of you next week right here on YouTube and Facebook, or if you're listening, listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, we will see you next week uh, right here at 4.30 PST. Uh, we are Black versus the Board of Education. Go ahead, look towards the camera, give them a peace sign. We out of here. See you next week. Bye-bye.